This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hey everybody, we are back. It's a Wednesday as we continue studying the Bible. Glad you're tuning in, some of you live right now. Some of you watch this Facebook later on in the week. Some of you are going to get it on YouTube. Some of you download as a podcast. However you get it, get it, listen to it, and grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm a Bible guy. I love the Bible. love teaching the Bible. And uh, I'm really always excited to preach the Bible and teach the Bible. Now today I'm going to talk about, because we're in Psalms, selected Psalms. And we're going to look at Psalm 126. This is actually a two-parter. We're going to talk about God rewrites. And God does rewrite. Now... <clears throat> Let me try to explain what I mean by that in Psalm 126. Um, uh, I, I like to see trailers, not trailers being pulled by cars. Uh, that's cool too. But I mean the trailers of movies. And uh, I love going to the movies. And right now I miss the movies because I like to see movies that come out I like on the big screen. I, I, just, I just cannot watch a release, a new release on, on a TV. I don't care if you have an 80-inch screen or whatever you have at home, but I, I, so I can't do it. But the trailers, I, I like the trailers too. In fact, I have a friend of mine, he won't, he, if he doesn't see the trailers, he's not gonna be happy to the movie. <laughs> now, the trailers, what are they? They're short little snapshots of the entire movie. They last a minute. But the movie that they are uh, giving a snapshot of in the trailer, that movie can last two hours, two and a half hours, some three hour movies. See, in Psalm 126, the way I look at this and read it, and I love this, this is one of those Psalms that I really like a lot. It's like a snapshot. It's like an, a, a real quick overview of how God rewrites. He rewrites our life, the moment we come to Christ. And I love Psalm 126 for that reason. Now, before we read it and make statements about it, you need to know what, how it begins. It's talking about when the Jews, who were captives in Babylon, <clears throat> they went into captivity, like, I always get this wrong, the date, 604, 605. People give one date or the other, I can't remember, but it's somewhere in that, right there, 604, 605 BC. Um, <clears throat> and, and then finally, when they get to come home, when Daniel's 70-week prophecy is over, they get to come home. Now the story, their new story, the rewrite begins. And it really parallels, all the pieces in there parallel our life. Because if you think of a rewrite, you have an author who's rewriting, writing or rewriting. And we know that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. If we allow Him, when we come to Him, He rewrites our life. And that's a good thing, guys. So here we go. Psalm 126, first thing I want to say out of here is this, that we have been repositioned. If you're a follower of Christ, the moment you said, Jesus is my Lord, your life now has been repositioned. <clears throat> Watch verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. They're coming back from captivity in Babylon, going to Zion, Zion's Jerusalem, and now begins the rewriting of their story by God. <clears throat> Question. 
Do you remember, I mean, really, come on, think about it. Do you remember when you gave your life to Christ? I remember. I remember the moment. I remember the details of it. I remember that evening, August 12, 1979, Sunday night, Melody Land Christian Center. It's not there anymore. Across the street from Disneyland. Remember the night you were delivered from your old self and God began rewriting your story? It's like you're going this way and like, it's like stop and then boom, you go this way now because it's the way God wants you to go. Now with that said, do you ever just stop and just look at your life? It's imperfect, yes, mine's imperfect. But do you ever just look at it and think how good your life is compared to the disaster it might have been if you were still in bondage to the old sins before you came to Christ? Have you ever just stopped and thought about that? It's enough to make you get up and go to church and sing. Oh, it's enough for some of you to do that. Obviously not all of us, but it's enough. (laughs) But he says in there, he says, we were like those who dream. Wow. They have freedom. God is repositioning these people. And to them, they're saying it's like a dream. It's like a dream. You ever feel like um, uh, uh, your new life in Christ, it's just, there's pieces of it that are just so good. It's just like a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Now think. Do you think that they were praying while they were in Babylon as captives? Do you think they were praying to be freed to come back home to Zion, to Jerusalem, <clears throat> yeah, for 70 years. Because there were some of them there 70 years. And when it finally, when the prayer comes true and it happens and it was a prophetic thing that was prophesied beforehand and it happened and they're released to go back to the Persians who conquered the Babylonians, they said, it's like a dream, man. It's like a dream come true. You ever notice, you know, we all, followers of Christ, we believe in the promises of God, right? Nod your head, I see you out there. And you pray and you wait and you pray and you wait and then it happens. Isn't it an overwhelming experience? It's like, man, that's like a dream come true, isn't it? You know, do you remember, um, you remember in uh, in Genesis uh, 45, um, around verse 26, um, when the one, two, three, four, when the t- one, two, ten, the nine brothers come back um, from Egypt, and they don't know Joseph's their brother over there, and and they've told dad that Joseph's dead. They don't know this guy's Egypt is, and, and, and but they finally find out he is, he's Joseph, and they go back and get dad, and they tell dad, hey, Joseph's alive, and it's been like twenty-two years that dad has been believing that his son Joseph is dead. It says in verse in Psalm, in Genesis 45, 26, it says he's stunned and he didn't believe him. Why? Because here's the deal, guys. When God repositions us, when God answers that prayer, it's 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 so much feels like a dream. It's just too good to be true. He's like, this is too good to be true. How can this be possible? And you know what? God does that. And when he repositions our life, he just does things in our life. It's just it's just too good, man. It's too good to be true. The second thing I want to say here is, is our repositioning should lead to verbal expressions of joy. Look at verse 2. Then our mouth was filled with laughter 
and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Mm. Now we find that once God repositions us and starts the rewrite, it should lead to expressions of joy, verbal expressions of joy. <clears throat> I can't help but shout. I can't help but rejoice. I can't help but talk about it. Right? Right? But notice specifically what it says. And I, like, I love this statement here. They're filled with laughter. Not that you went, ha, ha, ha. No, they're filled with laughter. It's overflowing. There's a joy in their life and they're laughing. Have you ever noticed that people with a lot of joy tend to laugh? Right? Now, the question. Why are they filled with joyous laughter? <clears throat> because they've been freed from the past and they are being repositioned to a better future, a better tomorrow. They're being repositioned from a past where they were in bondage and they're being repositioned to a better future. <clears throat> and that's why they're laughing. That's why they're joyous. <laughs> Man, I run into many followers of Christ who just laugh frequently. They just have so much joy. And they love laughing. I love laughing. I like to hang around people that love laughing. But, you know, you, every so often you run into some followers of Christ that are just so sour. It's like, they rarely laugh. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend like life doesn't have its seasons of hard things and this that. But I'm talking about your lifetime. You just don't laugh. There's just no joy. It's like... They don't seem to be filled with this laughter thing, the joy thing. I don't get it. I honestly do not get it. I understand it in pockets and seasons when they're going through tough times. But I don't get it over a lifetime if you're a follower of Christ. And I'm just being honest. I don't get it. Jesus has set us free. He has repositioned us with Him into eternity. He has guided us through His Word, if you're studying it, into wise decision-making that thus creates a better life. We also get to know personally the Creator of the universe. How can I not be joyful? How can I not be joyful? And once again, I'm not pretending that life doesn't deal some pretty bad blows, but I should be able to have joy in life in spite of it. Think about this. The prodigal son. You know, it's my favorite story in the Bible, right? He comes home. What does dad do? Who's a, dad, the father's a picture of God the father. What does dad do for the son? Throws him a party. That should tell you a lot about God right there. Let's have a party, man. Let's laugh. Let's have fun. Let's rejoice. What does that tell you about God? And what is that? God is a joyful person. And God throws a party for the son. Don't you think he puts that in his followers? Come on, man. And what does he say? Why does he rejoice? He says this, my son was dead. And he's alive again. Listen, before we came to Christ, we weren't just lost. We were dead to God. And he made us alive. Remember the old Frankenstein movie? He's alive! Remember that? Because Frankenstein came to life. He says, my son's alive. At salvation, we came back from the dead, spiritually speaking. 
And now we're alive spiritually. And from our innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And man, he's repositioned us. And we can live like it. We can rejoice and we can laugh. And that's important. You know why this is important? The third thing is this. Because others take notice of a repositioned person. Oh yeah, watch verse 2 again. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said... Among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Oh, others take notice of a repositioned person. At the end, he says that they said, these, you know, these other nation people, different tribes out there, they said, the Lord has done great things for them. They're watching the repositioning. They're watching the joy. The Lord has done great things for them. Huh. The, those Onlooking heathen nation, non-followers of Yahweh God, attribute this miraculous deliverance to God. Wow. Let me tell you what that is. This is the power of a testimony of life change. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. When your life changes, people notice. Remember, you used to go to work, you were real crabby and angry and irritable all the time, and now you're a joyful person. They're going, what happened to you? <laughs> you could tell, what's Jesus, right? Remember, you'd be, you, maybe you once were pessimistic, and then you, you could say you're so optimistic, what happened to you? What's Jesus? Listen, it's the power of the testimony of a life change. Remember the crowds, they always followed Jesus, right? And then Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, which is a miracle. And to have miracles, there must be God. But if you don't believe in God, a creator, then there are no miracles. Therefore, you could not believe that happened. It all depends on your worldview. And the evidence of a creator God is there. Plenty of it. <clears throat> now, did you know when people came uh, to see Jesus at a certain moment in time and he was at the home of Lazarus, it says they didn't just come to see Jesus. They came to see Lazarus who is risen from the dead. Wouldn't you want to see a person risen from the dead? I would. People listen to a person risen from the dead. People listen to you and I when our life has been changed from death to life and they see differences. They want to hear what God has done in your life, what God can do. They want to hear the testimony of life change. Others take notice of a repositioned person. This is another piece in the trailer of life and how our life works as followers of Christ. And then the fourth thing I want to say is a repositioned life faces a lifetime of repositioning. Let me say it again. A repositioned life faces a lifetime of repositioning. Look at verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. We are glad. Question, are they glad? <laughs> yeah. The word glad means ecstatic. So let's put ourselves in their shoes now. Let's put the whole thing, verses 1 to 3, together. Because we're gonna, next time we're going to study 4 through um, 6 of this song. <clears throat> As they're traveling from Babylon back to Jerusalem, they're walking, traveling 900 miles. This is over 2,500 years ago. That's a long journey back then, right? 
You and I can drive that one day, but not them. They're overjoyed and they're ecstatic every step of the way. Every step of the way. Can you imagine the conversations? Can you imagine in their mind their plans or dreams of things that they really couldn't do back in Babylon? But when they get back to their homeland, big back to their plans and dreams of what they're going to do there? Can you imagine talking with each other saying, well, when I get there, I'm going to do this and this and this and I'm going to do all these. So, so here, here's the question. Here's the, the reality question. What, as ecstatic as they are, what's waiting for them when they arrive back in, in their homeland? They're agriculture people. A land that is filled with rocks and weeds and hard soil, an untilled hard land. That's what's waiting for them. If you, have you ever thought about that? But they're filled with joy, and rightly so. But when they get there, there's a lot of hard work in their future to get the land to grow crops and bear fruit. Doesn't that parallel our walk with Christ? We became followers of Christ. The Spirit of God came to live in us. We get joy in our life. We have laughter. We're ecstatic. But at a certain point, we find out Mm-hmm. There's a lifetime of Holy Spirit transformation and repositioning. And some of it's not easy, but boy, is it worth it. See, um, it's like this. They're traveling. And in their travels, they're joyful. But once they arrive, once they get home, there's a lot of work. We go through this on, on, let me show you in different applications. You go on vacation. You might drive there. You might fly there. And you have a lot of fun talking about what you're going to do. You're filled with joy and laughter. It's going to be so much fun. That's exciting. Uh, but then, and you know, and while you're driving, you don't think of all the work and all the stuff you have to do back home until you have to go back home. <laughs> and it's back to work, back to the grind, right? That's what they're experiencing. We do the same in our faith walk. Sometimes there's parts of our faith walk, it's a joyous vacation, it's ecstatic, it's so much fun. And there's other times it's like it's back to the ground. We gotta deal with some hard ground in our life, some rocks in our soul. But never forget that the fruit is worth it. Now let me say it like this, last thought, last thought. Earlier I said, you know, we were dead and now we're alive and I used the Frankenstein illustration, he's alive! When you came to life in Jesus Christ spiritually, there's, there's some tilling to do. Rock, hard, weed-filled stuff in our life. Okay, I'm a movie guy. Remember the old movie? It was like, I was like 19 when it came out. Young Frankenstein. And they go get the brain for Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And Marty Feldman this is Marty film, yeah. He goes and he's supposed to get the brain. He plays Igor or Igor. And he picks out a brain because he drops the other one that says abnormal brain. <laughs> and then he brings it back and they put this abnormal brain in, in the, the monster. And the monster comes to life and starts trying to kill Dr. Frankenstein. And then finally they sedate him and he goes, yes, Marty Feldman, Igor. What kind of brain did you get? He goes, oh, whose brain was it? He goes, oh, um, Abby normal somebody. <laughs> Abby normal, meaning abnormal. He goes, and Dr. Frankenstein realizes, you gave me an abnormal brain to put in him? Yeah. 
and now he starts choking <laughs> Igor. Let me tell you something about your life and mine. We came from death to life. We're alive. We've got a lot of abnormal stuff in us. We're a little bit ab abnormal. And there's great rejoicing and laughter and coming to Christ and joy. But there's some hard, hard soil and there's some rocks and some weeds to get the abnormalities out of us. To bear the fruit that God wants us to have fruit and continue to bear that fruit. Is it difficult at times? Yeah. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Because when you start doing that, you become a cycle breaker. And in becoming a cycle breaker, you become a cycle maker. You start new trends and new cycles in your family, in your life. And that's a great thing. And that's a great thing. And it's so worth it. Well, I'm going to stop right there. Because next week, we'll pick it up <clears throat> uh, at uh, verse 4. And we'll have a good time with it, okay? So, we'll talk to you later. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.